0: be sure to follow Send Me to Sleep on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Good evening. Tonight, I'll be reading the story of Will Scarlet from The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Thus they travelled along the sunny road, three stout fellows such as you could hardly match anywhere else in all merry England. Many stopped to gaze after them as they strode along, so broad were their shoulders and so sturdy their gait. Quoth Robin Hood to Little John, Why didst thou not go straight to Ancaster yesterday, as I told thee? Thou hadst not gotten thyself into such a coil, hadst thou done as I ordered? I feared the rain that threatened, said little John in a sullen tone, for he was vexed at being so chafed by Robin with what had happened to him. The rain, cried Robin, stopping of a sudden in the middle of the road, and looking at John in wonder, why, thou great oath, not a drop of rain has fallen these three days, neither has it threatened, nor hath there been a sign of foul weather in earth or sky or water. Nevertheless, growled little John, the holy Saint Swithin holdeth the waters of the heaven in his pewter pot, and he could have poured them out Had he chosen, even from a clear sky, and wouldst thou have had me wet to the skin? At this, Robin Hood burst into a roar of a laugh. O little John, said he, what butter wits hast thou in that head of thine? Who could hold anger against such a one as thou art? So saying, they all stepped out once more, with the right foot foremost, as the saying is. After they had travelled some distance, the day being warm and the road dusty, Robin Hood waxed thirsty. So, there being a fountain of water as cold as ice, just behind the hedgerow, they crossed the stile and came to where the water bubbled up from beneath the mossy stone. Here, kneeling and making cups of the palms of their hands, they drank their fill, and then, the spot being cool and shady, they stretched their limbs and rested them for a space. In front of them, over beyond the hedge, the dusty road stretched away across the plain. Behind them, the meadowlands and bright green fields of tender, young corn lay broadly in the sun, and overhead spread the shade of the cool, rustling leaves of the beechen tree. Pleasantly to their nostrils, came the tender fragrance of the purple violets and wild thyme that grew within the dewy moisture of the edge of the little fountain, and pleasantly came the soft gurgle of the water. All was so pleasant and so full of the gentle joy of the bright maytime, that for a long time no one of the three cared to speak but each lay on his back gazing up through the trembling leaves of the trees to the bright sky overhead at last Robin whose thoughts were not quite so busy wool gathering as those of the others and who had been gazing around him now and then broke the silence hey day quoth he Yon is a gaily feathered bird, I take my vow. The others looked and saw a young man walking slowly down the highway. Gay was he, indeed, as Robin had said, and a fine figure he cut, for his doublet was of scarlet silk, and his stockings also. A handsome sword hung by his side, the embossed leather and scabbard being picked out with fine threads of gold. His cap was of scarlet velvet, and a broad feather hung down behind and back of one of his ears. His hair was long and yellow and curled upon his shoulders, and in his hand he bore an early rose, which he smelt at daintily now and then. By my life, quoth Robin Hood, laughing, saw ye ever such a pretty, mincing fellow. Truly, his clothes have overmuch prettiness for my taste, quoth Arthur a bland. But, nevertheless, his shoulders are broad and his loins are narrow, And seest thou, good master, how that his arms hang from his body? They dangle not down like spindles, but hang stiff and bend at the elbow. I take my vow, there be no bread and milk limbs in those fine clothes, but stiff joints and tough dews. Methinks thou art right, friend Arthur, said Little John. I do verily think that yon is no such rose-leaf and whipped cream gallant as he would have one take him to be. Pa, quoth Robin Hood, the sight of such a fellow doth put a nasty taste in my mouth. Look how he doth hold that fair flower betwixt his thumb and finger, as he would say, Good Rose, I like thee not so ill, but I can bear thy odour for a little while. I take it ye are both wrong, and verily believe that were a furious mouse to run across his path, he would cry, La, or day." and fall straightway into a swoon. I wonder who he may be. Some great baron's son, I doubt not, answered little John, with good and true men's money lining his purse. I marry, that is true, I make no doubt, quoth Robin. What a pity that such men as he that have no thought but to go abroad in gay clothes should have good fellows whose shoes they are not fit to tie dancing at their bidding. By Saint Dustin, Saint Alfred, Saint Withold and all the good men in the Saxon calendar it doth make me mad to see such gay lordings from over the sea go stepping on the necks of good Saxons who owned this land before ever their great grandsires chewed rind of brawn. By the bright bow of heaven I will have their ill-gotten gains from them, even though I hang for it as high as air a forest tree in Sherwood. Why, How now, master, quoth little John, what heat is this? Thou dost set thy pot a-boiling, and mayhap no bacon to cook. Methinks yon fellow's hair is over light for Norman locks. He may be a good man and true for aught thou knowest. Nay, said Robin, my head against the leaden farthing, he is what I say, so lie ye both here, I say, till I show you how I drub this fellow, so saying, Robin Hood stepped forth from the shade of the beech tree, crossed the stile, and stood in the middle of the road, with his hands on his hips, in the stranger's path, Meantime, the stranger, who had been walking so slowly that all this talk was held before he came opposite to the place where they were, neither quickened his pace nor seemed to see that such a man as Robin Hood was in the world. So Robin stood in the middle of the road, waiting while the other walked slowly forward. "'smelling his rose, and looking this way and that, "'and everywhere except at Robin. "'Hold!' cried Robin, when at last the other came close to him. "'Hold! Stand where thou art!' "'Wherefore should I hold, good fellow?' said the stranger in soft and gentle voice and wherefore should I stand where I am? Nevertheless, as thou dost desire that I should stay, I will abide for a short time, that I may hear what thou mayest have to say. Then, quoth Robin, as thou dost so fairly do as I tell thee, and dost give me such soft speech, I will also treat thee with all due courtesy. I would have thee know, fair friend, that I am, as it were, a votary at the shrine of St. Wilfrid, who, thou mayest know, took willy-nilly all their gold from the heathens and melted it up into candlesticks. Wherefore, upon such, has come hereabouts, I levy a certain toll, which I use for a better purpose, I hope, than to make candlesticks withal. Therefore, sweet Chuck, I would have thee deliver to me thy purse, that I may look into it and judge, to the best of my poor powers, whether thou hast more wealth about thee, than our law allows, for, as our good Gaffer Swanthold saith, he who is fat from overliving must needs lose blood. All this time the youth had been sniffing at the rose that he held betwixt his thumb and finger. Nay, said he with a gentle smile, when Robin Hood had done. I do love to hear thee talk, thou pretty fellow, and if, haply, thou art not yet done, finish, I beseech thee, I have yet some little time to stay. I have said all, quoth Robin, and now, if thou wilt give me thy purse, I will let thee go thy way, without let or hindrance. So soon as I shall see what it may hold, I will take none from thee if thou hast but little. Alas, it doth give grief to me," said the other, "that I cannot do as thou dost wish. I have nothing to give thee. Let me go my way, I prithee. I have done thee no harm. Nay. Thou goest not, quoth Robin, till thou hast shown me thy purse. Good friend, said the other gently, I have business elsewhere. I have given thee much time, and have heard thee patiently. Prithee, let me depart in peace. I have spoken to thee, friend, said Robin sternly. And I now tell thee again that thou goest not one step forward till thou hast done as I bid thee. So saying, he raised his quarter staff above his head in a threatening way. Alas, said the stranger sadly, it doth grieve me that this thing must be. I fear much that I must slay thee thou poor fellow. So saying, he drew his sword. But by thy weapon, quoth Robin, I would take no vantage of thee. Thy sword cannot stand against an oaken staff such as mine. I could snap it like a barley straw. Yonder is a good oaken thicket by the roadside. Take thee a cudgel thence, and defend thyself fairly, if thou hast a taste for a sound drubbing. First the stranger measured robin with his eye, and then he measured the oaken staff. Thou art right, good fellow, said he presently. Truly my sword is no match for that cudgel of thine bide thee awhile while till I get me a staff so saying he threw aside the rose that he had been holding all this time thrust his sword back into the scabbard and with a more hasty step than he had yet used stepped to the roadside where grew the little clump of ground oakens Robin had spoken of choosing among them he presently found a sapling to his liking. He did not cut it, but, rolling up his sleeves a little way, he laid hold of it, placed his heel against the ground, and, with one mighty pull, plucked the young tree up by the roots from out the very earth. Then he came back, trimming away the roots and tender stems, with his sword as quietly as if he had done naught to speak of. Little John and the Tanner had been watching all that passed, but when they saw the stranger drag the sapling up from the earth and heard the rendering and snapping of its roots, the Tanner pursed his lips together, drawing his breath between them in a long inward whistle, by the breath of my body, said Little John, as soon as he could gather his wits from their wonder, "Saw'st thou that, Arthur? Mary, I think our poor master will stand but an ill chance with yon fellow. But our lady, he plucked up yon green tree as it were a barley straw, Whatever Robin Hood thought, he stood his ground, and now he and the stranger in scarlet stood face to face. Well did Robin Hood hold his own that day as a mid-country yeoman. This way and that they fought, and back and forth, Robin's skills against the stranger's strength, The dust of the highway rose up around them like a cloud, so that at times little John and the tanner could see nothing, but only hear the rattle of the staves against one another. Thrice Robin Hood struck the stranger, once upon the arm and twice upon the ribs, and yet had he warded all the other blows only one of which, had it met its mark, would have laid stout Robin lower in the dust than he had ever gone before. At last the stranger struck Robin's cudgel so fairly in the middle that he could hardly hold his staff in his hand. Again he struck, and Robin bent beneath the blow a third time he struck, and now not only fairly beat down Robin's guard, but gave him such a rap, also, that down he tumbled into the dusty road. Hold, cried Robin Hood, when he saw the stranger raising his staff once more. I yield me. Hold, cried Little John, bursting from his cover, with the tanner at his heels. Hold, give over, I say. Nay, answered the stranger quietly, if there be two more of you, and each as stout as this good fellow, I am like to have my hands full. Nevertheless, come on, and I will strive my best to serve you all. Stop cried Robin Hood. We will fight no more. I take my vow. This is an ill day for thee and me, Little John. I do verily believe that my wrist and deck my arm are pazed by the jar of the blow that this stranger struck me. Then Little John turned to Robin Hood. why? How now, good master, said he, alas, thou art in an ill plight. Marry, thy jerkin is all befouled with the dust of the road, let me help thee to arise. A plague on thy aid, cried Robin angrily, I can get to my feet without thy help, good fellow. Nay, but let me at least dust thy coat for thee. I fear thy poor bones are mightily sore, quoth Little John, soberly, but with a sly twinkle in his eye. Give over, I say, quoth Robin in a fume. My coat hath been dusted enough already, without aid of thine. Then, Turning to the stranger, he said, What may be thy name, good fellow? My name is Gamwell, answered the other. Ha! cried Robin. Is it even so? I have near kin of that name. Whence camest thou, fair friend? From Maxfield Town I come, answered the stranger. There was I born and bred, and thence I come to seek my mother's young brother, whom men call Robin Hood. So, if perchance thou mayest direct me... Ha! Will Gamwell, cried Robin, placing both hands upon the other's shoulders and holding him off for arms' length. Surely it can be none other. I might have known thee by that pretty maiden air of thine, that dainty, finicketing manner of gait. Dost thou not know me, lad? Look upon me well. Now, by the breath of my body, cried the other, I do believe from my heart that thou art mine own Uncle Robin. Nay, certain it is so, and each flung his arms around the other, kissing him upon the cheek. Then, once more, Robin held his kinsman off at arm's length and scanned him keenly from tip to toe. Why, how now, quoth he? What change is here? Verily, some eight or ten years ago, I left thee a stripling lad, with great joints and ill-hung limbs, and lo, here thou art, as tight a fellow as e'er I set my eyes upon. Dost thou not remember, lad, how I showed thee the proper way to knit the goose feathers betwixt thy fingers, and throw out thy bow arm steadily, thou gayest great promise of being a keen archer, and dost thou not mind how I taught thee to fend and parry with the cudgel? Yea, said young Gamwell, and I did so look up to thee and thought thee so above all other men, that, I make my vow, had I known who thou wert, I would never have dared to lift hand against thee this day, I trust I did thee no great harm, No, no, quoth Robin hastily, and looking sideways at little John, thou didst not harm me, but say no more of that, I prithee. Yet I will say, lad, That I hope I may never feel again Such a blow as thou didst give me. Bah, lady, My arm doth tingle yet from fingernail to elbow. Truly, I thought that I was palest for life. I tell thee, cause... That thou art the strongest man that ever I laid mine eyes upon. I take my vow. I felt my stomach quake when I beheld thee pluck up young green tree as thou didst. But tell me, how camest thou to leave Sir Edward and thy mother? Alas, answered young Gamwell. It is an ill story, uncle, that I have to tell thee. My father's steward, who came to us after old Giles Crookleg died, was ever a saucy varlet, and I know not why my father kept him, saving that he did oversee with great judgment. It used to gall me to hear him speak up so boldly to my father, who, thou knowest, was ever a patient man to those about him, and slow to anger and harsh words. Well, one day, and an ill day it was for that saucy fellow, he sought to berate my father, I standing by. I could stand it no longer, good uncle, so, stepping forth, I gave him a box on the ear and, wouldst thou believe it, the fellow straightway died out. I think they said I broke his neck or something like that. So off they packed me to seek thee and escape the law. I was on my way when thou sawest me and here I am. Well, by the faith of my heart, Quoth Robin Hood, For any one escaping the law, thou wast taking it the most easily that ever I beheld in all my life. Whenever did anyone in all the world see one who had slain a man and was escaping because of it, tripping along the highway like a dainty court damsel, sniffing a rose the while. Nay, uncle, answered Will Gamwell, over haste never churned good butter, as the old saying hath it. Moreover, I do verily believe that this overstrength of my body hath taken the nimbleness out of my heels. Why, thou didst but just now wrap me thrice, and I thee never a once save my overbearing thee by my strength. Nay, quoth Robin, let us say no more on that score. I am right glad to see thee will, and thou wilt add great honour and credit to my band of merry fellows. But thou must change thy name, for warrants will be out presently against thee. So... Because of thy gay clothes, they shalt henceforth, and for I, be called Will Scarlet. Will Scarlet, quoth little John, stepping forward and reaching out his great palm, which the other took. Will Scarlet, the name fitteth thee well, right glad am I to welcome thee among us. I am called Little John, and this is a new member who has just joined us, a stout tanner named Arthur a Bland. Thou art like to achieve fame, Will, let me tell thee, for there will be many a merry ballad sung about the country, and many a merry story told in Sherwood of how Robin Hood taught little John and Arthur a bland the proper way to use the quarterstaff. Likewise, as it were, how our good master bit off so large a piece of cake that he choked on it. Nay, good little John, quoth Robin gently, for he liked ill to have such a jest told of him. Why should we speak of this little matter? Prithee, let us keep this day doing among ourselves. With all my heart, quoth Little John, but good master, I thought that thou didst love the merry story, because thou hast so often made a jest about a certain increase of fatness on my joints of flesh gathered by my abiding with the sheriff of, Nay, good little John, said Robin hastily, I do bethink me I have said full enough on that score. It is well, quoth little John, for in truth I myself have tired of it somewhat, but now I bethink me, Thou didst also seem minded to make a jest of the rain that threatened last night. Nay, then, said Robin Hood testily, I was mistaken. I remember me now, it did seem to threaten rain. Truly, I did think so myself, quoth Little John. Therefore, no doubt, Thou dost think it was wise of me to abide all night at the Blue Bear Inn, instead of venturing forth in such stormy weather, dost thou not? A plague of thee and thy doings, cried Robin Hood, if thou wilt have it so, thou wert right to abide wherever thou didst choose. Once more... It is well, quoth Little John. As for myself, I have been blind this day. I did not see thee drubbed. I did not see thee tumbled heel overhead in the dust. And if any man says that thou wert, I can with a clear conscience rattle his lying tongue betwixt his teeth. Come, cried Robin, biting his nether lip, while the others could not forbear laughing. We will go no further today, but will return to Sherwood, and thou shalt go to Ancaster another time, little John. So said Robin, for now that his bones were sore, he felt as though a long journey would be an ill thing for him. So, Turning their backs, they retraced their steps whence they came.